Do you just love this podcast so much and wish you could find a way to monetarily support us? Well, guess what? Much like NPR, we thrive on support from viewers like you. So if you love this podcast and you want to become a contributor, all you have to do is go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Click the support button and choose the amount that you want to contribute each month to our podcast. This helps keep our podcast going and it keeps the phenomenal content that you have come to know and love flowing. So yeah, what are you waiting for? Sign up today. As always, thank you so much for being a listener. We appreciate you. We see you. And we hope you enjoy the show. Spoiler alert. If you do not want this film ruined, do not proceed. There's spoilers galore. You have been warned. Welcome to Talk Classic to Me, the classic film podcast and movie club where I, Sarah Greenfield, your host and classic film enthusiast, bring in my entertaining friends to talk about classic movies or any other old-fashioned form of media that strikes my fancy. On today's show, we're talking about the film Rocky from 1976 with my wonderful guests, Stephanie Anderson and Andre Fonseca. Welcome to Talk Classic to Me. I am your host, Sarah Greenfield. And today on the show, I have my wonderful guests, Stephanie Anderson and Andre Fonseca. Hello, my friends. Welcome. Hello, hello. Hey there. Uh, so today we watched the film Rocky from 1976. What did you both think? How did you feel after this viewing? Well, this was my second time watching Rocky. And I think I enjoyed it more the first time, but it was fun to watch again after having just rewatched Arrested Development and having a much greater appreciation for Carl Weathers. <laughs> <laughs> Andre, how do you feel after this viewing? Uh, it was about my 7,000th, give or take, like a couple a couple viewings of, of Rocky. And uh, I, I, I know that there's a lot of problematic current things about it, but I still have a thought in my heart for it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I, 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 I love it. And I enjoyed it just as much this time around as I did you know the first time I, I understood it I totally get it and that is why I chose you both to be guests on this episode because Andre and I have talked in the past about how much we appreciate Rocky and our affinity for the Rocky films um, but I also chose it because it's around Thanksgiving time and to me Rocky is like a very quintessential Thanksgiving film it gives me a lot of Thanksgiving vibes um, and I love it because it's like a non-toxic sports film like it's kind of, it's a love story that's also a sports film so of course i really enjoy that just being me um someone who doesn't appreciate super macho displays <laughs> i love it it's something i can enjoy too um so yeah that's why i chose this film um and so i will do a plot synopsis for people at home who may not have seen rocky who are these people you'd be surprised I just will say, I bet there's people that haven't seen it that will appreciate this or maybe just need a refresher. Um, okay, so Rocky. It's this movie about this guy, Rocky Balboa, whose like fighting name that he chose for himself is the Italian Stallion. He lives in Philadelphia and kind of like a poor side of town. He has been trying to be a boxer for a long time, but he's got the heart, but he doesn't put in the effort to be a good boxer. Uh, so what he's really doing to make a living is being a loan shark for like local, a local mobster. Um, and that's not really satisfying to him. And he kind of feels like a loser, but he's also quirky. He owns turtles and a fish. And where did he buy these turtles and a fish, you ask? Oh, he bought them from a tropical fish store. I forget the name of it, but it's like something tropical fish, even though it's a pet store. Whatever. That's not important. There's a woman that works there who is the sister of his best friend, Polly, and her name is Adrian. 
And Rakius had a crush on her for so long, at least since the store opened, because he mentions he bought the turtle and the fish from her on the first day that she worked there. So he's had a crush on her for a long time. Um, and she's very shy. She wears glasses and hats to cover her face so you don't notice her. Um, but Rocky, the story ends up being about them falling in love with each other, them seeing the good in each other. So him seeing kind of the the good in her and being able to draw that out of her and her seeing the good in him and like giving him kind of a support system so he can start to believe in himself. Um, so he gets this offer. Uh, there's, there's a fighter named Apollo Creed, who's the heavyweight champion of the world played by Carl Weathers and his opponent has backed out at the last minute for the big new year's day fight, uh, because it's, oh, it's the bicentennial. So it's like an extra big deal. It's 1976. It's going to be, it's going to be like, ah, we're celebrating our country as a nation and we're going to fight. We're going to have a boxing match men. Okay. So. Uh, his opponent backed out. They put all the money into this fight. He still wants to fight. He doesn't have any opponents. So he has the bright idea of like, let's just give an every man a chance to fight me and see what happens. Like, let's make this the ultimate underdog race. Like we're celebrating America. Let's do this American thing where we give someone an equal opportunity. Um, and so he selects Rocky out of this book of boxers because of his fighting name, the Italian stallion. He thinks it will sell really well. Um, what he doesn't know is that he's kind of like lit a fire under Rocky by choosing him. Rocky now feels like he has a second chance. He's like falling in love with Adrian. He's going to work really hard to like, you know, be a real contender in this fight. And ultimately what Rocky decides and spoiler alert, by the way, uh, is that it's not so important for him to win the race or win the fight. It's more important for him to stay on his feet, to go the 15 rounds, to go the distance, because um, Apollo Creed has never met a challenger that could go the distance with him. He always beats the other opponent. So that was Rocky's goal. And that mission is accomplished. Rocky survives the 15 rounds, even though he survives them. He loses the fight by a split decision in the judging, which means that like one judge voted for him to win and two judges voted for Creed. So even though he didn't win the, the fight, he did in a way because he showed a lot of guts and the announcers got that quote. This is the greatest exhibition of guts and stamina in the history of the ring. Because I mean, picture it, the heavyweight champion of the world picks a random nobody who can stay on his feet all 15 rounds and fight back. That's pretty special. Um, but at the end of this fight, even though he's like just proved himself, what really matters is that he notices that Adrian lost her hat which prompts her to tell him that she loves him and he loves her and they hug because it was always about their love and not just boxing. So that's Rocky. That's the story of Rocky. Um, there would be several more chapters in the story of Rocky that we didn't know at the time when they, you know, 1976, they didn't know. Um, but yeah, that's Rocky. And it went on to be an underdog at the Academy Awards. It won best picture in 1976, it was an upset win. Um, it beat, what did it beat? It beat Network. It beat All the President's Men. And it beat uh, Taxi Driver to win Best Picture. So it was kind of like the underdog of that year. And it was the highest grossing film of that year. So there you go. Unknown star at the time, Sylvester Stallone, taking it to the limit. I got chills just hearing you re recount that story narratively, Sarah. I, 
I love the story of Rocky. And when you were talking about the quote that the ringside announcer said at the end, that always, the last like five minutes of that movie just kind of gives me the chills all the time. I love it. Well, there are so many special moments in this film that I think set it apart from other films. Like this could just be like a, a sports movie, right? But it's not. It's so much more than that. Two of the moments that I'm really thinking of, um, one is the Rocky seduction scene of Adrian, which is incredibly uncomfortable. And like, does it hold up with the modern lens? Like, absolutely not. But this scene of vulnerability and connection to me is very special. And we can break down that moment in a minute. And then also the scene he has with uh, Burgess Meredith, where we see like this coach trying to get Rocky to like let go of the chip off his shoulder um, when Burgess Meredith just wants to be his bandager so badly and Rocky is saying no to him, we are crestfallen for this like old curmudgeon manager. I don't know a lot of like sports films that can do that kind of character development and work and make us feel for all the characters that are not just the lead. Yeah, it helps that the manager is uh, uh, being played by one of our finest character actors in Burgess Meredith. I love that He's guy. so good in this movie. His voice is bananas. Like the gruff, like he has the best quotes, I think. What is it like? You're going to eat lightning and you're going to crap thunder. And he, he's just, <laughs> he has such good quotes, such a great voice. But the emotion that that like the scene that I was just discussing when he leaves the apartment alone, feeling like he has failed, feeling like he just lost something big that could have been so special. Oh, God, as a viewer, you're like, Rocky, get over yourself. Run after him. And then he does. It's beautiful. It's like a tale of loneliness, too. You know how Rocky in the beginning goes from like talking. He has this apartment by himself alone. He comes home after a fight. No one's there. He's talking to his turtles. He's talking to his fish. He's talking to his pictures. He's practicing what he's going to say to Adrian the next day. Like it's a very lonely life. And then by the end, he has all these people in his corner because of like how he was able to work and put his heart out there. It's beautiful. Sarah, are you going to cry? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I would say that's those are some of the themes for me. Like it's a love story, overcoming loneliness, getting second chances, um, having a lot of heart, and then the underdog achieving against the odds. To me, those are like the themes of Rocky. Yeah, the only one I would add is like, it's kind of along with the underdog. It's that like, you know, this guy's a loser. And even though he doesn't like win the match, he still like wins. You know, he wins love. It's there's more than just winning to to win in life, I guess. So Rocky came out in what seventy six. I was born in nineteen eighty nine. Just kidding. I was born in nineteen seventy eight. Um, and and so I don't remember seeing Rocky in the theater, which is an experience that I'd really, I'd really love if I could go back in in time or if I could do that. I'd love to watch this movie without knowing anything about it and seeing it in a in a in an audience filled with people who were just like me, just like kind of stunned by. The, when they saw it because like i just remember growing up with rocky the 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 fictional sort of like hero like you know rocky 2 rocky 3 rocky 4 but when i went to back to discover this movie when i was a little bit older the what stephanie said i think really really impressed me that this is a movie where like there's a happy ending but it's not your traditional happy ending um it's it really is about the 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 victories that matter not necessarily uh, winning a, a, a specific match, even though Rocky's longevity in the match is a victory in and of itself. It, it usually, you know, Rocky is synonymous with an underdog story, but, you know, as the years go by, it becomes more cliche. And then we won't get into Rocky for any of that stuff, but like then it becomes something different. It's like kitsch and 
and it's synonymous with something else. But this story that like birthed, you know, all of these other great movies is so unique in the way that it's so it's so quiet at the very beginning. And it's these are tender characters who have filled their lives with, you know, regret and heartbreak, but they still soldier on each one of them in their own way. Even Polly, uh, who we'll get to, I know in a little Screw bit. Screw Polly. I don't like Polly. <laughs> I like Polly. I like Polly. Polly's just, Polly's just, you know, he's, he's, I think he's the Greek chorus, right? He's like the guy who is like, you know, what are you doing, Rock? You know, like, he's he's the guy who who has the common view, I think, and, and uh, you know, everybody else in, in the story is kind of exceptional in their own way. They're unexceptional, but they are exceptional because they do it. They achieve the thing that um, is hard to achieve. I will say, I agree. It is surprisingly sweet. I think you don't expect the sweetness the first time you watch it. Um, based on like what you, the preconceptions you might have about a Rocky movie. That was what surprised me the very first time I watched it, like, I don't know, a decade ago. <laughs> um, but the what you mentioned about non-traditional, having a non-traditional happy ending, um, I was thinking I was realizing this time or really thinking about it that that Adrian is the one to say I love you first. And this comes from a time when like women aren't supposed to do that. The man is supposed to say I love you. There's a game you must play to get this man. But kind of the whole movie is about her coming out of her shell. You know, Um, she's so shy and quiet and does not know how to speak up for herself. And over the course of the movie, she does gain a voice. She gains a voice through falling in love with somebody. Um, and the fact that she is able to like run up to him, be so outspoken about her love and be the the person that says, I love you. She like yells it at him and she says it first. I don't know. I think that's really special. And he says it right back with emphasis. I love you. And you're like, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think I was really thinking that this time about like, oh, I love that they had that. Like, that's the real victory. Her falling in love with him him wanting that this whole time and finally she does that's beautiful and the way and the way they say it to each other like you know he she does say it first and then he says i love you it's so <laughs> awesome because he's just got his face bashed in and he can still muster the words you know it's I don't know, I love that. well and then they hug and we see his bashed in face of like yeah you you did it you got it all you went the distance and you you know you got love all right, so just some fun little Easter eggs, fun little details about this film and the making of this film. Um, just the first one, obviously, is that Butkus, the dog in the film, is Sylvester Stallone's real dog. That's why they have such good dog-to-human chemistry. Yeah. And how, what a good girlfriend that Adrian gives him a dog. She she knows him. Anyway, okay, so uh, Sylvester Stallone wrote this screenplay in three days. Um, and it is supposed to be about like a real fight that happened, but that's never been confirmed, but it's supposed to be about like a heavyweight challenger that faced an opponent who was not of that caliber and went all 15 rounds. It's about a dude named like Chuck Wepner and he, uh, it's loosely based around him. Um, that's what the, that's what the, the legend is, but he went 15 rounds with Muhammad Ali, but it wasn't like, he wasn't picked out of the hat. Uh, he was a he was like a, a journeyman boxer like Rocky was, but the setup for Rocky is is unique. But yeah, that's that's who it's sort of loosely based on. The role of Adrian was originally offered to someone named Carrie Snodgrass, who turned it down because of money, which was kind of a big mistake, I think. Um, and then they also considered Susan Sarandon for that part, but then quote unquote thought she was too pretty. Yeah. So they went with Talia Shire, which I think is, I think she's really great in this movie. I love her performance in this film. So they went with Talia Shire. 
Um, and then Joe Frazier is a real boxer in real life. And he makes a cameo in this when they're in the ring and there's a boxer that comes out of the crowd and starts talking to Creed and Stallone's like, there must be friends or whatever. You know, I don't remember what he says, but he's got a line like that. That's real boxer Joe Frazier who inspired certain parts of the training montage. So apparently Joe Frazier really did like run up the Philadelphia uh, Art Museum steps, also known as the Rocky steps. Um, so that was part of his training regimen, as was uh, punching the meat. He he took that from Joe Frazier, apparently. Oh, I didn't know that. So cool. It's one of the first films that used a Steadicam. So it is not the first, just to be clear. But one of the first uh, films to use a Steadicam, which is how they got all those shots of him running and the shots of the steps. Um and what else? Oh, and then after the fight, apparently both Carl Weathers and Stallone were actually injured. Carl Weathers hurt his nose and Stallone hurt his ribs, which makes their injuries the opposite of what their characters did. Um, because in the film, Stallone, fam- he, like he breaks his nose. The whole thing in the whole movie is like, I never broke my nose. Isn't that amazing? And then at the end, they're like, your nose is broken. He's like, how do I look? And then they go, it's an improvement. And you're like, oh. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, it's the opposite of what happens to them in the film. And then... Um, So since Stallone wrote it and was starring in it, they did not want him to be in the film. They wanted like a name movie star. They were looking at people like Robert Redford and he basically sold the film's rights for way less so he could be in it himself um, because he was basically like, look, if this film takes off and I wasn't the star, I would be crushed. Plus it's so personal to him. Plus he really is like a fighter and a boxer and stuff. So to me, it makes it more authentic. The origin story is truly like a Rocky story at the, at the very inception. And then, um, so what they would do during the film, because he wrote it, he would add dialogue about things that like bothered him or didn't work. So he would make it like part of Rocky. You know, how Rocky always kind of repeats himself and is quirky. So he'll be like, you told Adrian I was coming, right? You told Adrian I was coming, right? He'll repeat himself. He does that with the, when he gets the, um, the silk robe. He's like, it's, it's baggy, right? It's baggy. He keeps saying it. It's because the silk robe came and it was too big and they weren't going to order a new one. So he like worked it into the character and the part where he sees the painting of him and Creed. And he's like, my shorts are white, not red. He added that because he saw (laughs) what his costume was. And it was like, they changed it. It was different than it was supposed to be. So he would add it into different scenes and it became like a character choice of his character constantly like noticing details and that having those details slightly bother him. That's awesome. Oh, and then one more fun fact that note that I just noticed myself. So Polly, the drink that Polly is drinking, Polly is kind of an alcoholic. He drinks all the time, including on the job. And his drink of choice is Four Roses whiskey, which now is like a very fancy, classy whiskey. But back then it was cheap before they like changed the recipe or whatever. <laughs> so that was killing me that Polly is supposed to be like poor. And this is how they're showing he's poor. He's drinking this whiskey. And yet nowadays it's like the very classy, expensive whiskey. <laughs> I appreciated that. The choice of my father-in-law. I thought that was very amusing. I was like, look at you, Polly. You don't even know. You don't even know that you're a hipster. You are ahead of your time. That's all of that. What's your trivia that you have, Andre? There, It was a family affair, uh, Rocky. There were several uh, Stallone family cameos in the film, but most notably dear, near and dear to my heart is Frank Stallone as uh, the neighborhood, one of the neighborhood singers singing Take You Back at the very beginning of the movie. The big Frank Stallone fan. Uh, He shows up in Rocky too, I think as well. I thought they sounded great. They've got a random doo-wop group on the corner singing Take It Back. I think Frank Stallone gets such a shitty rap. He's got a couple of really good uh, hits. And at the time when nobody knows Frank Stallone, okay, let's say my brother could sing and he's got like some songwriting chops and I'm making a movie, guess who's going to be in my movie? My singing brother. 
So all you Frank Stallone, you know, naysayers out there, I'm, I'm a Frank Stan. I'm a Frank Stanlone. I'm a Stan of Frank Stallone. But I won't make that about him. I heard that his family was peppered throughout. Like his mom is in a scene and like, is it his dad? That's the bell guy, the guy that rings the bell. Oh, I didn't know that. I think his sister, one of his sisters is in it as well. There were definitely several Stallones in the in the filming of uh, of Rocky, which was super cool. I uh, Back to Stallone, um, selling the rights for like way less. I think they were going to offer him like seven, six or seven figures for Rocky, like just to sell the screenplay. And it ended up being like, I don't know what the exact number was, but like like tens of thousands or something like that. Like a real super pay cut, like like not an insignificant pay cut for a, a, a I wouldn't say a struggling actor, but a, a, like, let's say like a relative unknown, like, like Stallone. Well, and I heard that they were putting all their eggs in the New York, New York basket. And when that movie tanked, Rocky ended up paying for that movie's losses. So they were like, oh, I guess we should have also funded Rocky. Oops. Whoops. They bet on the wrong horse there. They did bet. They did bet on the wrong horse. I've got one piece of trivia. And it ties in two facts that both of you mentioned. Uh, not only was he a struggling actor, Stallone was living in his car at the time that he sold the rights to this, you know, that he that this movie got picked up. And he was so desperate at the time that he was actually looking to sell Butkus. No! At the time. <gasps> mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Not Butkus. Well, he didn't have to. He didn't have cause... to. And Butkus became a star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's crazy i know i heard a rumor isn't stallone in a porno isn't he not like a porn actor but was in it's a porno? soft core it's okay like and he, he's it's soft core there's a great like rick and morty like running gag about it where they do like stallone inside of a porno and he's like hey. it's like a ridiculous sounding uh uh name of a movie the party at kitty and studs we can talk about the music the iconic music gonna fly now written by bill conti um, people at home, you've heard the Rocky theme. It goes, da na 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 na. You guys want to continue it? Da na 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 That's the Rocky theme called "Gonna Fly Now," which I always forget that's the name because I want to call it "Getting Strong Now." How can you forget about it? Because they say it at the end. But they do say get they do say getting strong now too. They do. Um, so yes, our a Rocky movie would not be complete without an exercise montage. This is our first glimpse at the exercise montage in this film. I think something this film does well is it shows behind the scenes of what a boxer might actually go through. Because I think a lot of times biopics were not made to be biopics before like the 60s and 70s. They kind of only show the trials and tribulations. They don't show what things are really like. So I think this film shows like what it might actually be like to be a boxer. You got to wake up at 4 a.m. You got to drink five raw eggs. But it shows like the grueling physical work you have to do, the emotional mental preparation. And then it shows like stuff like them getting all ready for the fight with Vaseline and like saline spray. So I think that's really cool that we kind of get a behind the scenes look. Um, but yeah, we're introduced to the Rocky montage, which is a series of very difficult exercises. They are in every Rocky film. As this is our first one, it's probably like maybe the least impressive one because it's like him running and then him running faster and then some one arm pushups and then some clap pushups and then some of that punching bag thing. He's literally getting strong now. He's literally getting strong now in five weeks. And we know he's getting strong now because at first 
he can't run up the steps. But then at the end, he can run up all the steps and keep, you know, running in place with his arms in a V above his head. And that's how we know he has gotten strong now. What if Rocky started flying at the end of the movie and he and he really started flying and it was going to fly now? That would have, it would have changed the dynamic of the movie. It would have. It would have confirmed that he was extraterrestrial. Oh, I would be like, now I'd be like, and now he's part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Rocky. So like, that's part of every Rocky movie. What else do you think are like Rocky staples that end up becoming parts of this greater franchise? He says, cut me Mick in this, right? He does. Cut me Mick. That's classic. Call me Nick. I can't do a Rocky impression. You can do one. I can't do one. Hey, yo. Hey, uh, that's so terrible. It's like, so I'll, I'll get, I'll, I'll do a better one. Um, the bombastic villain. Uh, I think Apollo Creed is one of the best characters ever in a motion picture. And he is so, he's such a badass. And at the time, he is a model of the new uh, black athlete empowered uh, taking care of their own destiny, master of their own destiny, um, super smart, business savvy, yeah. um, and also like just a monster in the ring. He's like undefeated in this movie, right? He's like 46 and up. Um, yes. He is just incredible. And he's like, he's real. He's motivated by real things. And he's not really like, he ends up not really like he's a villain, but he's also not really a villain. He, he, Rocky wins his respect. Like what movie there's so, so very few movies where like the hero wins the respect of the villain at the very end. But I have to tell you, I don't like calling him a villain. Like it makes me uncomfortable because he's not a villain. Like from his perspective, he's the heavyweight champion of the world who just, you're, you're right. He just wants to have a fight that he was promoting. Like that's all he wants to do. To me, this is like the tortoise and the hare. It's like, that's the fable that's being played out, but you're right. The respect that we as an audience have for Creed. I have so much respect for him watching it. I, I think it's a really awesome depiction, um, as you mentioned, of like, it could have been a really uncomfortable, uh, really racist situation. And I feel like they really fight against that. And sh- he's like a really positive representation. Yeah, well, I mean, I think villain is a misnomer, right? He's an antagonist. Just from this perspective of like screenplays and screenplay structure, right? You've got your protagonist, who's your main character, and then they're going to have an antagonist, someone who has an opposite you know like someone who whose goals are are you know at conflict with your protagonist so they don't have to be bad yeah. it's someone who's like the foil to your to your main character yeah and and and, don't, and again they don't have to be a villain and creed's not a villain god he's just what i appreciate most about him is that he's just this incredible showman right and he even mentions in the fight he's like he doesn't know that this is a sh- you know that we're supposed to be putting on a show he thinks this is a fight. Well, and the people that he's put around him, I was loving too. Like, this is a Black man who supports other Black people, who brings them up with him, and who, like, values them, listens to them, and is so, you're right, the business savvy, Andre. Like, the intelligence behind that. He is the one who came up with all of these ideas, and they're all very good ideas. The only mistake he made was not counting that on his challenger being good, like, not actually training, because he had this, you know, he had he thought he had it in the bag because he is the heavyweight champion of the world. And when you look at them in the ring, he does physically look like he has Rocky beat. You know, when you're just looking at the two of them, Carl Weathers is huge. He's got, he's tall, he has muscles, and he looks like he could beat Rocky to a pulp. So yeah, his only real, I guess, quote unquote, sin as the antagonist, as Steph puts it, that's a really good way of putting it, um, is that he doesn't take his opponent seriously. Listen, I agree with an antagonist. Villain is too hard of a word, even though like when I was young, that's what I thought of when I thought of the, because 
because in Rocky three, when he becomes an ally, and you're like, oh shit, you know, like, you know, uh, Apollo is, uh, you know, Apollo's on Rocky's side, right? But you're right, he's an antagonist. There's a lot of nuance to the character. Um, he does some shitty stuff, you know, he's kind of arrogant, but he's also a professional athlete who's like doing a, a savvy thing. And I think that kind of nuance, um, I didn't see it a lot in, or you started to see it in movies in the seventies, right? You started to see that nuance in characters in the seventies as we're able to sort of like explore character development and things became less black and white, especially as it pertained to, per, pertain to, to, to black characters. Um, but I, I, I just, I thought he was super fascinating. I thought he had such great style. I loved his nicknames. The Count of Monte Fisto is one of the best of any, like any boxer, like factor fiction. Like he just had swagger. He was super cool. He was like, you, I won't. Although, well, this is a modern lens thing, but this time around, it was super awkward watching him like pretend to be George Washington, a slave owner, pretend to be like Uncle Sam, who like black people were notoriously treated terribly in the armed services, you know, especially back in the day. So like, it is ironic to view it thinking of that now. But like, yeah, to see it from the lens of like back then to watch this like very powerful, awesome black man in a position of power you're right he is arrogant and that's it and he as he should be he's the number one fighter in the world who's never been beat and never been knocked down that's the other part of it rocky knocks him down for the first time in the first first round round. that's right but the way that the the fight is staged the way and not just the, the 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 like the blocking of it like the actual stagecraft but the way it narratively plays out um, the struggle, like the, the fact that Rocky knocks him down in the first round is so awesome because it gets you immediately into this story of like, oh, my God, he can do it. It's just so compelling. It's so compelling to watch um, these two um, fighters, you know, just just go after each other. And then when when Apollo realizes that this isn't a joke for him, that this isn't just like a payday for Rocky, that he's really going to fight him um, to see that you know, to see Carl Weathers turn that on as an actor and actually like you see that in the ring um, is really, really great. I think that part of the movie is celebrated for a lot of things, but I don't think it's celebrated enough for the level of acting quality and the way that it tells us a really great narrative story in its own. And it's pretty visceral. It's, I remember as a kid, my parents were watching this and I came down during the fight and it made me feel sick as a kid to see the fight because it feel, you can feel their pain, like, uh, Rocky's face is completely beaten. We see that in the prosthetics. We see that in the cut me mick when the guy just like, it looks like he's cutting him, but you can see him now just spray that blood on his face. And you're like, oh, I see you movie magic. But um, you see that from Carl Weathers too. You see the defeated in him. You see the exhaustion, the pain. You really feel that. It's very vibrant. Um, so I think they do a great job of conveying all of that. It feels very, probably the most similar to a boxing match that we'd ever had up to that point. Cause all I can think of is somebody up there likes me as like a previous precursor boxing film. And it does not have this level of like visceral, the fight, Yeah, you know? And I think the only other movie that might, in my estimation that, that could surpass it is Raging Bull. Then, and that I think is because there was like this poetic brilliance and beauty of what was going on in that film. But this one was just for like, just pure like visceral energy and the way that it 
it it it flowed. Like I I watched that uh that match and I just um I was bored by every other boxing match I ever saw, you know, because it was it could just couldn't live up to it. I will say something else I love about this film that you kind of like let us into is that everything, nothing is really flat out told to you. You witness things and you observe and you take it in. It's like not super exposition heavy. And so one of the ways that we know that uh, Apollo Creed is not properly preparing for this fight is in a scene where Rocky on the news, like a news crew has shown up to the meat place, the meat, what do we call it? <laughs> like the meat packing place. I don't know what it is. The butcher whatever Polly has arranged this because Polly's the worst who's only he's looking out for himself and that's it Polly just doesn't know what to do Polly I gotta I'm a Polly apologist I'm a, a Polly just <laughs> I can't stand Polly couldn't stand him in any other Rocky films don't like him but sorry I'm a very strong Polly stance here but uh so you know Rocky's punching the meat and he's going for it and it's being taped on the news and we see Creed's manager watching this and looking really concerned and then it like the camera pans out to see what's behind him. And it's Creed talking to the fight promoter or somebody. I forget who he's talking to, but they're like, send the mayor's wife 200 roses. Make sure she knows they're from me. He's like handling all of the business sides of things, like completely unaware to the threat that is facing him. Um, and I think that's just such a good way to show us that they didn't have to tell us. They showed it with that sequence. Um, so yeah, I think it's really good at stuff like that. And I love the camera work too. The scene, um, there's a lot of like mirror work. <laughs> so like there's that scene when, uh, Rocky goes to the pet shop and he's talking to Adrian and we see her face through bars. She's like, you know, tending to the birds and it's like, she's caged too. And I was like, oh my God, it's a metaphor. She works in a shop with animals with cages and she's an animal in a cage. So she's tending to the birds. We see her face in close up through this, the camera pans to the right and we see Sylvester Stallone's like reaction to her through the mirror. And then it pans back to her through the cage. And I was like, that's, that's really good camera work. So simple, so wonderful. And it happens again later on where they have the conversation. He goes into the room and she's like, you want a roommate? And his reaction is through the mirror where hers is straight on. And I was like, that's great. You saved so much money on camera setups and you have this gorgeous shot both times. Great filmmaking. And what was John G. Avildsen's reward for such wonderful filmmaking besides his, the the accolades at the Academy Awards? Stallone just ends up doing like two through five, I think, by himself. He directs two through five. He's like, thanks, I got it from here. Well, but Avildsen went on to direct The Karate Kid, the other classic underdog sports story. Actually, I love it. Alley-oop to Sarah's jam. Slammed it down. Yeah, people at home did not see that Andre did his version of a crane kick first. But it was really nice. Um, so yeah, I, that, you're right. But I think the other Rocky movies have a totally different tone than this one. This one kind of stands on its own. It's a really different film than the others. And I wonder maybe if it was because he was directing it, you know? I don't know. We'll never know. I, I stand corrected. He he directed Rocky Five. Uh Oh, no. Yeah, that was... That was pretty That's bad. The worst that was of the pretty bad. But he also rough. directed Lean on Me, which is another great uh, movie. Um, some of my favorite scenes are, I love the ice skating scene. I think that's a very charming scene. Um, audience at home, in order to charm Adrian and to get her to like him on Thanksgiving, he goes to her house for dinner and Polly is like abusive and rude to her and like throws out the turkey she was making. So she'll go on a date with Rocky. And they go to an, he's like, what is she like? And he's like, Polly goes ice skating. So he takes her ice skating, even though it's closed. And he like buys the rink for 10 minutes for $10. And she puts on skates and she skates so awkwardly. And it's really funny. And he like walks next to her and they have this 
very cute, very rushed conversation, but it's a nice romantic gesture. And I just love watching the way she ice skates. That to me is like, it just tickles me every time. That's one of my favorite moments. Uh, the Rocky seduction moment that I refer to. Let's, can we break it down? Maybe do you guys want to break down the Rocky seduction moment? Absolutely. Sure. So, okay. Rocky really likes Adrian and he's like, oh, she might possibly like me because she's finally saying full words to me. I know what I'll do. Take her up to my apartment and seduce her. (laughs) So he takes her up to his apartment and it's kind of gross. You know, it's not the cleanest. And what does he immediately do to seduce her? He takes off his shirt. It's cold outside, but he's like, it's hot in my apartment. He takes off his shirt and he's wearing like a tank top and he does look very muscular. And he's like, come sit on the couch. And she's kind of like, no. Um, and she does keep saying no. So it's uncomfortable to our today's standards because she's like, I don't really want to do this. I don't really know you that well. But he kind of corners her again, makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, but they have a moment where like they are looking at each other and they are connecting. And he he takes off her glasses because, of course, he does, because it's the 70s and they wouldn't let her have glasses and be beautiful at the same time. Um, but he's like, you're beautiful. And she's like, don't tease me. And he's like, I'm not. Cause the, you know, and so that's kind of like, he gets her to come out of hiding. That was kind of my take on it. He removes her hat. He removes her glasses. She keeps on her jacket and they slowly make out and slide down the wall to make out on the floor. And it's just like very real. Cause I feel like it's this perfect blend of awkward and vulnerable. Like there's nothing smooth about it. It doesn't feel like a Hollywood romance. And that's why I like it so much. It feels like he is convincing her and it's real. And the focus of the camera is on her face. It's on her deciding what she wants to do because she's not sure. So I just think it's such an interesting moment every time. And there's no underscoring music there. It's just the music, the natural music that he put on the background. So to me, that's always a moment that stands out as something that feels very real. I think it's actually only problematic if you're looking at the scene through only a modern lens yeah and i'm gonna point to um uh an old song to as a parallel so there's that song baby it's cold outside which you know recently has drawn the ire of you know people going like oh this is really creepy this guy is pressuring this woman she keeps saying she's got to go um but again like that's looking at things through a modern lens where things were different in the past and and we know things are different in this time when this movie is set because because once Rocky and Adrian start dating and Polly thinks that, you know, like knows that they've been sleeping together, like he, you know, the things that he was saying about his sister, like, you know, like they're, you know, they're disgusting, problematic in any time. And, and so I think that's what kind of explains like all the hesitation that we see from Adrian is kind of like part of that performance. That, again, like kind of what you see in Baby It's Cold Outside where it's like, you know, like, she wants to say, but she has to like go, you know, jump through these, these, these societal hoops before it's like acceptable for her to stay over. Right. And same for Adrian, where like, she is interested in, in Rocky. Like she wouldn't have even left, like, cause, cause she left, you know, she did go out on the date with him. Right. Like she wouldn't have left the house. She's so shy. So she does like him, but she has to make this show of saying no. And I want to go so that, you know, like, again, looking at things through today's lens, like, Oh, it seems really awkward and, and, and gross but looking at it through the time where it's like oh no like if you if you don't protest like people are just gonna think 
like Polly says, he's going to call like, they're going to call you a whore. Even Rocky does say that to somebody else. Like they're going to call you, you got to take care of your reputation. They'll call you a whore. Rocky says that to somebody too. 12 year old. Yeah. A 12 year old. That is awkward. Um, but no, you're right. It's, it's like from a performative place. Like it's not, if you were looking at it outside of the context and just the actions versus the act versus the actual situation that they were in. Um, yeah, you're totally right. I think this is like a fantasy of being seen for yourself by someone that you have a crush on. Like it's the 16 candles fantasy too, right? Not that 16 candles is a perfect film or anything, but it's like, I'm shy. I'm kind of a nerd, but you still see me and you see me exactly as I am somehow, some way. And it like, it's unwavering. Right. Um, and it's, it's from like a really genuine place and it's not just from like a shallow place either. Because it is, Rocky sees Adrian's full picture. He sees her heart. He sees her mind. He likes her, all of her. It doesn't matter. Like her looks are just, you know, a part of it. You know, they're not all of the package. And so that's part of what's so sweet about it too. It's just like, that's like the fantasy. (laughs) You will like me exactly as I am. I don't have to change anything about myself. And you just see me. That's like, that's lovely. That's what makes it so special, I think. And she sees him too. And, um... And she blossoms like as like as they fall in love, like like she she like, you know, it really she starts to shine. And I'm actually not quite sure if I actually if I like that about it, about the film where it's like, oh, like she she's not like fully herself until she falls in love. But it's pretty yeah. sweet. It's same. It, like there's my feminist part. It's like, I wish it was something other than love that drew her out. And love was like a positive thing she got to keep at the end. But the scene where she stands up for herself to Polly is so special to me. Like when Polly is putting her down, he puts her down throughout the film. Polly says repulsive, abusive things to her. He talks about her behind her back repulsively too. Um, But then when she says to him, like, you made me feel like I was a loser and I am not a loser. To me, that is so powerful. That is like a woman getting out of an abusive relationship, even though it's her brother. (laughs) Um, And yeah, what she has with Rocky is very... It's very different. The things he says to her are the opposite of what Polly says to her. He is constantly lifting her up. And it's lovely to see to see her blossom by the end and to have confidence in herself and to speak up and say what she feels. I, I really like that journey. <laughs> and I like that it's an important part of the journey of the film that could so easily just be about him. I'm glad we're talking, I'm talking about it like this because, you know, when I when I watch the movie and I watch it now, like it's I I think we are like Stephanie was saying, like, it's tough to, you know, not watch it with a modern lens and be like, oh, that's weird. You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> like, that's not, not at all how, how it, it would go down today. But I think Sarah, you, you know, what you said is, is, is true that like, there's none of that, that feels inauthentic to the movie or to the time. So like when you are watching it, you can see in a modern lens, like, oh yeah, that's weird. But at the same time, like, as someone explained to me one time, it was like, think about Rocky as two people with Asperger's in love and trying to connect in a way that they only know how to connect. I was like, oh, that is really interesting. They both don't know how to communicate clearly and they're communicating in a way that they know how. And then when he does the, when he does the sort of un- unveiling of, of Adrian, as it were, you see them bonding in real time. I know for a fact that that's not what Stallone intended in terms of like an autism love story. That's not what it is. But if you think about it in a way that where it's like people who are emotionally, they're not tapped into their own emotions, trying to be emotional with each other. Um, it is super real and authentic. And I think it's lovely. And I think it's one of the, 
parts of the movie where you watch it and you're like, this is messy. This is awkward and not smooth. And how much, um, how many times have real relationships like blossomed like this? I, I so it's, it's, it's such a complicated sort of part of the movie, but I think it's at the end of the day, redeeming to its natural sort of authentic core. And his way of describing their love to me feels very, very organic too about he he said Polly's like what do you see in my sister and he's like well she's got gaps and I've got gaps and together we fill each other's gaps and I was like that is a very realistic way of describing what being in a partnership and being in love with someone sounds like um so I really I really liked that I like that description and I think it's really telling that the poster for this film like the poster that they use to sell this film is not like a boxer fighting with his arms in the air it's a picture of the two of them holding hands and him in his like boxing gear. And I think that's like more telling of what the story actually is. And I think that's why I prefer this version of Rocky to like other, like Rocky two, we're going to get into the rankings and stuff. But for me, Rocky two went from like this sweet love story to this like really bullshit machismo story. And I hated Rocky two when I saw it, I watched it one time and I was like, Ooh, I'm never watching this again. I hate this. And it was like, to me, it felt like everything changed. All the sweetness was sucked out and it became like, I'm a man and this is what men do. And to me, it it, it lost its heart as a result of that when it became about like a machismo man challenge and like, I got my girl pregnant because I don't use condoms. Like that bullshit. Like the first film, he's so respectful of Adrian. And the second film, she's like a prop that is not even a person. She's just there to be his wife and to be the mother of his child, you know? So it's very, I didn't love the second one, um, but <laughs> I love a lot of the other ones, but that one in particular to me felt like this, I, I could actually feel the switch from love story to machismo um, between the first and the second film. And that's always bothered me. So I had glad I have a podcast so I can talk about it. Rocky two is mid as the kids say. I don't even know what that means. If I'm being honest, <laughs> I don't even know. It's mid, it's, 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 they fell off. Can I go back to the to the, yes, please. To the poster? I think the poster features and and going going into the marketing part of this, the the best tagline for a movie in my in my opinion was always Alien, the original Alien, which was in space, no one can hear you scream. That is amazing. But the close number two is Rockies which is in that poster with him next to Adrian. And it says his whole life was a million to one shot. That is a fucking great tagline. They don't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore at all. Like taglines on posters. Cause now people think it's corny. It's more like from the director, from the creators of the movie. It's a, be a Steven Spielberg movie. It'll be like, from the director of Jurassic Park. It's fucking Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I like all the corny stuff. So I wish that kind of stuff would make a comeback because it's got heart and I like it with a heart. It's got heart. To no one's surprise. <laughs> also, wait, this is just. Before we move on from the Rocky Adrian thing, I looked at my notes and I forgot one really cute thing, which is I love when they when she's ice skating and they're having that conversation about what their parents said to them. And so his dad told him, like, you don't got any brains, so you got to work on your body. And she was like, oh, my God, my mom told me I don't have any body. I got to work on my brains. And I was like, another example of you two being perfect for each other and filling in the gaps. It was even like opposite gendered parents. Anyway, I really I, I wanted to call that in because I really enjoyed that. Um, do we want to talk about, uh, before we move on Mickey, Mickey at all, and any of Mickey's favorite quotes that you might have. Um, so Mickey's Mickey is the manager played by Burgess Meredith. 
uh, famous for things like the Twilight Zone and an amazing radio actor, like an incredibly prolific voice. Go look up his radio stuff. But he has some really great lines, really iconic lines. And he, I mentioned earlier how he breaks my heart in the one scene, but he's a great actor. But any favorite Mickey moments? I love his character in this movie because it's real again, going back to the original. But all my favorite Mickey lines are like from like two and three. So like when he becomes oh. a little bit more of a, when he becomes a little bit more of a, a caricature, although, you know, three doesn't, he doesn't last too long. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I love him as a character. I just love how he like, I, I think you said the best line, honestly, which was uh, Crap Thunder. I I want to hear you say that again. You're going to eat lightning and you're going to crap thunder. But Perfect. that's the best line. I but I do feel like he's the truth teller in this. Like, so you were saying earlier that you thought Polly was the Greek chorus. I think Polly is just like all the other unsuccessful schmucks around that are like, I see him doing that thing and I could do it better. And you're like, no, you couldn't. Rocky even says it at one point when the bartender's like, yeah, so why is he chorus. doing that? Yeah, yeah. That's to me. Oh, I guess maybe that is. But to me, Mickey was the Greek chorus because Mickey was saying the truth about any given situation. Like everything Mickey said was true. Like he calls out Stallone and Stallone's like, why don't you like me? And he's like, because you didn't work hard, you jerk. Like you chose to be a loan shark and you suck at it. And you should be, you should have put your time and effort into boxing. So I don't know. I always feel like he's telling the truth. And his lines are always like, um, I wrote down the one where he's like, you got heart, but you fight like an ape. And I was like, yeah, that's the exact point. That is the, yes, you have assessed it correctly in the correct amount of words. Um, And it calls to what the announcers say later about the fight. It's like um, the caveman versus the cavalier. They, I don't know. I love the language in this. And I love Mickey's assessment of every situation because he is dead on every time. Except for women weak in legs. He's not good there. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say that one wasn't that one's not so great. <laughs> Doesn't he call Rock is is it this one or the second one where he calls Rocky a tomato? I don't remember. It might have been this one. Didn't he? I don't remember. I think so. Did he say like, you know what you are? A tomato. <laughs> I wrote down my favorite one of his in this one. It's one word. So Mickey sees Rocky wearing this fancy robe, but it's got the billboard for Polly's like meat company in the back. And he's like, what are you, a billboard now? Like, what do you get out of wearing this? And Rocky goes, well, Polly gets 3000 and I get the robe. And Mickey goes, shrewd. And I just, the delivery, the writing, the line, I love all of it. And then the, your nose is broke. How does it look? It's an improvement. Classic. Classic. And then, oh, and then just in general, this is not a Mickey dialogue thing, but when they're fighting after Creed and Rocky end the fight, they kind of like go in and do like that fighter hug, like we're done thing. And then Apollo says, ain't going to be no rematch. And Rocky says, don't want one. And then they split up. And I love that. That is also like a oft uh, overlooked part of the um, part of the fight, which is, which is great. Also, just going back to like, this is like a micro scene in the scene, but like in the fight scene, which I think if it, I had to say like, what's the best scene in Rocky, it's the extended, you know, fight. But um, when, so like how great it is when um, uh, Rocky knocks down Creed in the first round, well, Creed knocks down Rocky in the last round. And I think Mick tells him to stay down, right? Mick says, don't get up. And uh, Apollo's already celebrating and he gets up. And then the look on Apollo's face when he sees that motherfucker standing up is amazing. It's like another, again, like the acting in that scene. It's just like, oh my God, this fucking guy. 
I love that. I love that. It's the movie in a nutshell. And it does make it feel like an everyman kind of thing because it's like, that's the difference. It's this like the spirit that he has, right? The heart that he has because he's physically not going to best this person, but because of like the will, the gumption, the no, I will not be beaten. Um, that's something that you can't train. That's something that you can't, like you, you gotta just have it. It's something that like lives in you. I think it's such a, like, I that could be me. I could be Rocky. Like I think there's kind of a feel of that. Because that's what separates him from the rest. People like to think like, no, I've got that heart too. Um, that's what I was thinking. He, it, it feels very everyman. And um, like anyone could be special if they just work hard enough. It's very American dream. Oh, and that's another great line in the film. What is it when someone says to Apollo, that's American. And he goes, no, that's smart. And I was like, thank you for the distinction. <laughs> just because something is American doesn't mean it's smart. Apollo's so good. He's so smooth. I just love him in this. I like do root for him. Like you don't root for him, but you do at the same time. That's it's a special written part and character actor that can do that. He's a great entertainer. He's a great entertainer. And that will ultimately lead to his demise in a future Rocky film. Spoiler alert. True. We're spoiling all the Rocky films. I these came out so many years ago. It's canon. It's lore. Like I mean, yeah, if you're if you're at this part of the maybe maybe there's a maybe you should do like a like a, for Gen Z, like, hey, like spoiler alert, we're gonna spoil all of Rocky and then all of the subsequent series. So that way they can <laughs> they can binge the entire yeah. series at least through so four we'll say it even right now spoiler alert all of the rockies and creeds will be discussed in this they will be okay so um we kind of talked about rocky staples earlier i want to make sure we get it all in i think a rocky movie in general has a training montage some sort of like feat of strength that we see rocky growing strong in some way and it's different every time um it's got like epic music um so in this we've got the gonna fly now in rocky three we have eye of the tiger it's got like, you know, a pump and soundtrack for working out. It's always an underdog story. Even when Rocky's not the underdog, he's still the underdog. Um, see Rocky three. And then um, I feel like they all are about, there's some aspect of the love story with the exception of Rocky two. There's some like aspect of his love for Adrian and them. And he always has heart and his heart is what helps him overcome all of the obstacles in the end. To me, that's like a basic Rocky. Those are the Rocky staples. Would you add any? That's on you, Andre, because I've only seen. I'm three. thinking. I'm thinking. Okay. You can keep thinking about it. Steph, do you have any thoughts you did not get to express? Is there anything you want to discuss that we've not talked about? I guess more of like complicating ideas that I heard that I heard expressed. Like you were saying, it was kind of awkward to see Creed dressed as General Washington, but that just makes me think of like Hamilton, where it's like it's cool when they do it, and I think it's kind of cool that he does it, where he's just like he's just like I don't know, he's like kind of taking these and turn and like he's like. You know, like, not nah, I'm the man. He's doing something really fun with it. That's true, too. I was thinking about there was, um, so it reminded me of an interview that I saw Christopher Jackson do saying how it was really fucking hard for him to play George Washington knowing George Washington owned slaves. <laughs> so I that was what I was thinking about, I think, while I watched him doing that because I was thinking about that specific PBS interview of Christopher Jackson because he, like, went to Washington's property and was like, wow, this dude's an asshole, and yet I am playing him. Um even though we were like revere him as American people. And I guess there is something powerful. You're right. The way Hamilton has kind of intends it and seeing like people of color in roles that were like denied them and that they like should have access to, I, you know, but yeah, I, that I was just, I think specifically thinking about the interview when I was watching that, but you make a good point that it can be an empowering thing as well. 
Yeah, where like, you know, you're taking taking this image and then subverting it, I guess, or or um God, what's the word? Where you're like using it for your own purposes or just being subversive with it. There we go. Although Creed's not really subversive either, but like he's just again, he's just like using it for for marketing, which is no, that's American. Yeah, that's very American. Utilizing patriotism for marketing and for getting people to like you. Yeah. I thought of one Rocky cliche, but I think at some point in every movie that Adrian's in, she's convinced that he Rocky's going to die at some moment. Like there's like a point in the fight where she's like, stop the fight. You know, like there's, a, there's, a, I think there's an, in every one, like she's like convinced that Rocky's going to die. And with good reason, he looks like he's going to die in several of the fights. I mean, cut me Mick. He looks pretty rough. That's pretty rough in the first one. And when, Forget about like three or four where he's like in real danger. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that uh, that's a Rocky cliche. Like uh, Rocky's uh, certain doom is written on Adrian's face. And yet she's the only one that almost dies. Like out of all of them, she she does die, you know, eventually. We don't see it on screen. Spoiler alert. Well, you know, it's part of the canon. So if you were going to watch Creed tomorrow, you would know that. It's no big deal. It's part of the canon. <laughs> but you know she she in the series we don't see her die on camera but her character does die at some point but also in the second one she's the she comes very close to death after childbirth and she's really the only one to ever actually come close to death that's not well no that's not true because a lot of people die never mind yeah a lot of death in rock i feel like it becomes a trope where like a meaningful person dies in like three and four and they were, I felt like they were going to do it in Creed and they didn't. They didn't. It was a misdirect. It was a misdirect. We were all like, oh no, I see what's going to happen. And then they didn't do that. And then I was grateful that they didn't do that. You know, I remember really enjoying Rocky Balboa, but I, if you put a gun to my head, I can't tell you what was in that movie. Oh my God, the same. I, I could tell you more about Rocky Five, which I hated, and Rocky Two, which I didn't hate as much as you, but I didn't like. Three and four. If I had to rank yes. it, should we just go Let's the rank them. So everyone, these are our Rocky rankings. Again, spoiler alert for all the Rockies and the Creeds. It's just going to happen. I'm sorry, it is. This okay, includes Rockies. Creed? This includes yeah, Creed? this includes Creed. I'm including Creed in this list. Big. Yeah. That's a game changer for you. Do you want me to tell you mine? And then you can tell me what you think. Like, we'll go back and forth about it. I'm just going to say I've only seen Rocky and Creed. So. so is that your order? Do you like Rocky and then Creed? Or Creed than Rocky. Wait, you we never seen Rocky four? No. It's pretty great. I told Andre this story, but one of my best friends growing up went on to work at a PR company and Dolph Lundgren was her client. You know, she, she was his handler. Um, so I want to watch Rocky Four and I know he's in it and very yeah. cool in it. He's a villain in that for real. Like we were debating villainry, he's a villain. Or is he a cog in the Russian machine? He's an antagonist, okay? The villain is the 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 Soviet state. Okay, okay. You're, I agree. I'm sorry, Steph, but we cut you off. You were saying. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Stephanie. <laughs> so you asked if uh, if my order is Rocky and Creed and not for like the, a great reason, not because of like the strength of the story, but um, my mom's hearing impaired and I love that the love interest in Creed that um, that she's hearing impaired. And it, I, I was just... Ezra Thompson is so great. And and just to see, just, you know, representation matters, just seeing a hearing impaired character, um, that just meant a lot to me. So just for that, it it tops my list. But but Rocky's definitely better. I have a similar dilemma because I loved Creed so much. Like when I saw Creed, 
I was one of, I saw it three times in theaters because I loved it so much. I thought it was so good. And for a while I was like, Ooh, I don't know what my favorite is. Is it Rocky or Creed? Ultimately it does have to be Rocky because Rocky is like the start of it all. Like there would be no Creed without Rocky. Plus Rocky is a very good movie. So yes, Rocky is one in my first place position. Then Creed is number two. For me, three would be Rocky three. Because I think that has a stronger story than Rocky Four. Like, I prefer the storyline of Rocky Three to Rocky Four, though, as Andre will note and share with me, Rocky Four has the best montage of all the Rockies. Um, the the winter montage in Rocky Four is incredible. It is very good, but I do prefer three to four. And then how does it go for me? I wrote it down. Oh, and then I put, okay, this is where we get dicey. I put Rocky Balboa and Andre, you're right. I barely remember it, except there's like a video game that assesses the outcome. And they're like, Rocky will never win. And I feel like it's basically just Rocky one where they're like, oh, it's a tie. <laughs> and then Jess from Gilmore Girls is in it. And then you're like, oh, he plays his son, his long lost son. So yeah, I would put that in that position. And then I put Creed two, you know, it's fine. Then uh, Rocky two and then Rocky five, obviously is infamously the worst Rocky film. Rocky loses his fortune. It's a bummer. And his big fight is a street fight with a fellow boxer who's just a jerk. Nobody wins in Rocky Five. I mean, he wins, but nobody wins. Street cred doesn't pay. It's like Alien versus Predator. Whoever wins, we lose. That's Rocky Five. Um, so yes, please, Andre, now that you've heard my selection, what are your thoughts on this? What's your ranking? Number one, Rocky Five. Number one, Rocky Five. I loved it. It's great. Just, just kidding. Uh no. Uh Rocky is is clearly the 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 best. I will say it is tough for me because so much of my childhood identity and my and and things that I love about my dad are tied to Rocky Four, and I think Creed is a superior film. That's that's a toss up for me. Um, it's a toss up for me. I would t- I would have to say I I'm tied on that. I love Creed. I thought I thought Creed was just like the perfect um, trans creation of what the original Rocky was with so many different uh, layers and nuance. Um, but Rocky four is just so, uh, so entertaining. So the soundtrack to Rocky four is also one of the best movie soundtracks. There's no easy way out. Uh, there's no shortcut home. Come on. One of the best, uh, one of the best training montages, the snowy training montage. You're like, how are they going to pull it off? They pull it off. They pull it off, and 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 they 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 manage to best the training montage in Rocky Three, and then the mm-hmm. end race in Rocky Three, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. both Creed and Rocky run faster than any human being has ever run in the history of man. Um, on a beach, on, on a beach, beach, which is so tough to do. That is so tough to do. So it is a, it is a tie. If I if you put a gun to my head, I would say Rocky Four is two A and Creed is two B, but really they're tied. Um, so 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 three four is Rocky three, which I really enjoyed and is the you know kind of the I think most Americans' introduction to Hulk Hogan. Um, oh yeah yeah yeah, and and Mr. T Clever Lang Mr. T introducing Mr. T right that is the 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 introduction. I loved Rocky three. I thought it was super cool. Um, I like that he got the shit kicked out of him at the very beginning of the movie. Thus making him an underdog. Thus making him an underdog, which which happens. He's rich, but he's an underdog. I think um, next up is Rocky Balboa. Again, uh, I enjoyed that movie. I do remember the whole like simulation of it, but it, 
I think maybe what happened is that in, as Creed sort of takes up your headspace as part of the Rocky saga, what was a better entry and uh, a later entry kind of recedes. But it was, I remember enjoying Rocky Balboa, so I'll put it up there. Six is Rocky Two. I just think Rocky Two is boring. I just think Rocky Two is super boring. I don't care for it. It's like super predictable. It's just boring. It's just like, hey, let's make this movie again. But like instead, Rocky wins and all the other things that go along with Rocky being famous. Um, I did not like Creed 2. Creed 2 is my next to least favorite um, Rocky. And I think that's just more of a, I think both Rocky 2 and Creed 2 have a lot in common. They're both disappointing. Well, I think that's also why I didn't love Creed 2 because it like, as we're noticing that the Creed films kind of slightly follow and mirror the Rocky films in different ways. And so I think Creed 2 felt a little bit similar to Rocky 2. I mean, similar things happen in them. Like, we're going to get married. You're going to have a baby. It's And I, I don't know. Creed 2 just wasn't incredibly compelling. It just wasn't as compelling as the Creed 1. But Creed 3... That, I was going to say Creed 3 looks amazing and it's following kind of the Clubber Lane storyline. And they even at a beach, I was like, oh my God, are we going to get a beach running scene? I bet you were going to get a beach running scene. But it's like at this point in the, the canon, Creed is successful. He has a family. He has everything to lose, I think is the tagline. And then, um, he's going to face a competitor that spent, you know, most of his life in jail and ha- feels that, you know, his career was taken from him by Creed. So it's going to be, I think, a very similar vibe to Rocky 3. So I think we're both going to like Creed 3 in a way we didn't like Creed 2 because it's too similar to Rocky 2. We shall see. It's directed by Michael B. Jordan. So it's also very similar to Rocky 3 in that that was directed by Stallone. And doesn't have Stallone. So we're like, oh, I wonder. I wonder how it's going to go. That we know of. There's no post-credits Stallone as Superman. Rocky as a Jesus. <laughs> that we know of. Um, and then, yeah, like Rocky 5 is just is just an abomination it's super no fun right off the top it's super no fun he's like shaking in the shower like so like so immediately you taint the the heroics of rocky four with the fact that like the the fight gave rocky cte but really is it canon it's not canon because rocky doesn't have cte in any of the other future installments right no but you're right it is not canonical it was only in that one and they're like, oh, God, everybody hates this. Everybody hates it that we just ruined Rocky's life. Okay, never mind. Undo, undo. Rocky Five is to Rocky as Halloween 3 is to the Halloween franchise. It's like, yeah, loosely adjacent, but like ultimately not canon. I haven't seen Halloween 3, so I can't um, come as... The season of the witch. But I trust your judgment on that. One more thing about Creed 2. The thing that's really upsetting about Creed 2. Creed 2 spoils what should have been an incredible movie because of the fact that he is fighting and, and you know, the, the kid, the, the, the son, the guy who killed his father. So, like, that's how much of a wasted premise it is that, like, that is built in. That should have been, like, oh, shit. And it just kind of was like, what? I remember the training montage of them being in the desert. And I was like, okay, so now we've got a desert training montage. Okay. We've, you know, we've added that to the Rocky Creed canon. Um. But yeah, I am excited for Creed 3. I have high hopes for it. I think it's going to be entertaining and I think we're going to like it. And I do love Tessa Thompson too. She's great. And I, I love the representation of her in the first one, especially. Well, we were talking about favorite scenes before and I did want to mention, I don't know. I really loved like just um, just the way the neighborhood was portrayed in this movie, the way that like we see Rocky coming like through all these different spaces and just like seeing, it just felt really like, 
felt very real like like everyday people just seeing like what people lived like back then and they're in Philadelphia where you know it doesn't look like anything I ever grew up around and I really appreciated that you know like this world that's like gritty but also like you know there's it's, it's got a lot of community and and like beauty in there like yeah everything's kind of shitty looking but then you know like then you've got this uh as you guys mentioned before this like group of neighborhood kids who just sing yeah <laughs> just a neighborhood doo-wop group but yet everyone seems connected everybody knows each other and you're right you do get that was a great way of putting it community there was a sense of community and that's why it's interesting that his character feels so isolated because he's like a part of the community but isn't you know like he'll stop by and he'll drink their liquor oh and one time this time i noticed he um drank the booze and spit out blood i hadn't noticed that before because they he they were all like hanging out and passing the drink around and he just like grabs it as he's walking takes a sip and spits out blood and i went oh, oh man but yeah he, he it's like he he's on the outskirts of it he's not quite a part of it ever I think that's interesting. I also think it's interesting that Polly's his best friend because my question is why? Why is Polly your best friend? Again, Polly is the worst. Name one redeeming quality. <laughs> he has a nice sister. He has a nice sister. Oh, he the meat. He does give Rocky free meat. He gives him the meat and then um, doesn't he? He gives him something too, uh, something else at the end, doesn't he? Oh my God, I'm blanking on it. He's like, I gave you my sister. I'm like, ew, Polly, gross, gross. Um... I just think Rocky can do better in terms of friends. That's all I'm saying. I mean, besides Adrian, like what other decisions does he, what, what other good decisions does he make? Because, you know, like he, he throws away his boxing career because he doesn't see enough promise in it so that he becomes, you know, an, uh, okay. Loan check's not the right word. It's like, is he an enforcer? Andre, do you know the word? He's an enforcer of the, yeah, he's the enforcer. That's the word. Yeah. Or like he's, he's, he, he's the he's muscle like a goon. He's a muscle. Yeah. He's a goon. He's a goon. Yeah. He feels that that's what he has to do to get by as opposed to like really pursuing the boxing. It's like a lot of this, these feelings of like worthlessness and then realizing your worth. I think you mentioned earlier, like antagonist versus villain. I feel like his boss isn't actually totally a villain. His boss helps him out sometimes. Like, is his boss a jerk? The part where he's like, I don't pay you to think when Rocky makes a really good point about like, well, if I broke that guy's thumbs, he couldn't work to pay you back. And the guy's like, hey, don't, I didn't pay you to think that he's being a jerk there, the boss, but he does give him like $500 for fun or like, you know, like I believe in you, here's 500 bucks. I'm going to show up at your, your boxing match. And then he's like, I'm going to give you 50 bucks to take your girl out. Like, so not everybody's all bad. There's like all these gray areas. Just like in real life. Just like in real life. I'm going to poly apologize because of the robot in Rocky four. Those Polly's robot. The what now? Rocky gives Polly a gift of a robot. It's like a robot servant in Rocky Four. It's awesome. I wanted it so bad when I was a kid. I was like, I think they sold it in the Sharper Image catalog. Um, but obviously not that version because that was like a sentient robot that was in Rocky Four, apparently. Um, yeah, it's there's a lot to unpack in Rocky Four. Rocky ends the Cold War in Rocky Four. He does single-handedly, he ends the Cold War. He's like, I beat your boxer made by machines. But we can all be like friends, you know? And then that's how the Cold War was solved. If I could change, then you could change. It's so great. But what I love about Rocky 3 over Rocky 4 2 is when Adrian puts him in his place in that one. Because in Rocky 3, it's like he's doubting himself. He's got all the money now. He has none of that, like, that fight, that energy that, that someone coming from the streets has, that hunger, that scrabbiness. So he's got to get that back. And it's the eye of the tiger. And there's that scene where they're on the beach and Adrian's like, remember who you are. And I'm like, yeah, Adrian, 
But then in Rocky four, Adrian's like, I don't support this. You could get killed. And he's like, Adrian, I'm a man. You got to support me. And then she's like, okay. So she loses a little bit of strength in that one. I'm paraphrasing because that's not the dialogue. You know, relationships are about compromise. Relationships are about compromise. And uh, they're about compromise and they're about me wearing this all black ensemble and holding an unusual position with my muscles to a song in Russia. Great movie. 2A. It's 2A on my list. Okay, we are now in the modern lens portion of the show. We mentioned earlier... Uh, Polly is abusive to everyone, especially Adrian, is what I put in my notes. The shit he says about her is gross and rude. He totally calls her a loser. He basically calls, I forget the word, he says she's busted. He's like, you're not a virgin, you're busted. And you're like, ew, gross, Polly. You're just upset. Oh, that's a big thing about Polly for me, too. I'm like, look in a mirror, dude. Polly's always talking shit about everybody else. And I'm like, dude, do you own a mirror? Take a look at yourself. You are exactly what you're saying other people are, sir. Um, he's <laughs> so obnoxious to me. Um, so yeah, Polly is abusive. The scene where he's like, he throws the turkey out into the alley is so mean. That is a very mean. Can you imagine if someone threw your Thanksgiving turkey that you had been working on all day out in the street and took a leg just for themselves? <sighs> Polly's an alcoholic. So he's like making a lot of really bad decisions. And I'm not saying that the decision should be blamed, uh, like forgiven because he's an alcoholic, but he is a pretty severe alcoholic. He's like a drink on the job alcoholic. Yeah, right? no, that's a that's a good point. I should have a little more compassion. <laughs> You're correct. No, no, he is an asshole, but I think he like he he try he tries to redeem himself. I think maybe my affinity for Polly is more sort 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 of colored by the later movies. He is not very pleasant in the first rock. Well, I think you saw it when you were a kid, and I saw it as a grown up. And I think kids like take things differently than grownups do. And I also have my own issues too, where I'm like, you abusive monster. How dare you? You know, so. That's a good point. I think guys also grow up with a couple, guys have shitty friends who are like emotionally immature, who only can express their love really for their friends in dumb ways. And Polly's very much like that. The obesity levels on Adrian is, is not forgivable, but especially the things that she, he says about her, um, you know, in Rocky one. Uh, but I think a lot of guys have had friends like Polly and they show their love in dumb ways, like giving you meat. Are you screwing my sister? No, Polly, come on, dude. You busted. Uh, she's a loser. No, Polly, you're the loser. She doesn't say that. I say that yelling at the television <laughs> when he's like, she's ugly. I'm like, eh, excuse me. He's like, I would have a wife if it wasn't for you, Adrian. I'm like, would you, Polly? Would you? On what planet? Not with that behavior. You're lucky to have her. Maybe that's Polly is, maybe this is really complex. And Polly is so afraid of losing her because she does everything for him. She even says it. Mm. I think that's exactly it. That's true. Like he it doesn't want to lose the only thing really that he has in his life, which is her. And to rock, you know, like, of all people. So, like, I, I 
I think that is absolutely 100% what defines his actions is that he's worried that he's going to lose the person that's going to take care of him. And you're right. He wants to be something and be somebody that he's not, even though he has a perfectly fine job, even though he has a house, he wants to work for that loan shark guy because in his mind, it gives him some sort of cred, like street cred or credibility or makes him a tough guy. And Rocky keeps being like, no, you don't want this. Also, you'd be bad at this job. This is a bad job for you. And he like can't take that in. He has these ideas about himself that aren't like matching with his reality and his life is perfectly fine if you looked at the reality of life around him we don't really talk about Polly as Burt Young and what an incredible uh acting job that he does uh turning this character bringing this character to life because we talk about Polly as Polly but we don't talk about Burt Young as Burt Young who did an amazing job as this character so great performance by Burt Young for making us feel this way about Polly and referring to Polly as Polly yes very accurate point correct Correct. Second only to his performance as the limo driver, Roddy Dangerfield's limo driver in Back to School. Back to School. Oh my God. He is really good at Back to School. Wait, and I want to say the name of this, like who's in the cast. I don't feel like I did that earlier. So Sylvester Stallone plays Rocky, obviously. You know him from Rambo, The Expendables, all the Rocky films. Talia Shire, she is Adrian. You know her in The Godfather. She plays Connie. Um, Burt Young, we mentioned <laughs> driver in Back to School. I actually don't know a lot of what he's in, if I'm being real. I couldn't name other films. Didn't Burt Young, was he nominated for an Academy Award for his performance of Polly? I don't know. He might have been. This got 10 nominations, but I don't know what it was. What Let's it, go what to the tape. For. Let's go to the tape. While you're going to the tape, I'm going to move on to Carl Weathers. He is um, Creed, Apollo Creed in this. You will also know him from Predator and Happy Gilmore. That's my favorite uh, Carl Weathers performance, though. Uh, Steph did mention earlier that he is also in Arrested Development. Um, and then uh, Burgess Meredith, I feel like his most famous stuff is definitely The Twilight Zone, but he has a crazy amount of character actor credits and he was in so many things and he has an incredible radio career. And he did a series called, ooh, what's it called? It was on CBS. It was the CBS radio workshop and he did a series for them about like America and it's, he sounds so good in it. He has a great voice and it's a cool series. Burt Young was nominated for an Academy Award for his performance as Polly Panino in the first Rocky. Okay, it won for Best Picture. It won Best Director, which I Correct. I didn't realize. Wow. Okay, and then it yeah. won Best Film Editing. And and all of the main actors were 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 nominated: uh, Talia Shire, Burgess Meredith, Burt Young, and Sly. And I'm not surprised. I mean, I named what the other films that were out that year. So like all the President's Men, Network, Taxi Driver, Taxi Driver. So like those are huge films. So this was a really stacked year. So I'm sure, you know, the awards got divvied up a little bit. Um, the Modern Lens. So we mentioned the abuse of Polly. Again, out of context, Rocky literally cornering Adrian with his arms and her visibly looking down at his arm and looking up at him. Today, that's eek. But back that like, it was fine, especially in the context. So I was really struck by that the very first um, frame of film is just a huge image of Jesus which I thought was interesting because it's like, okay, so is there going to be like a Christ figure? So then I was kind of watching Rocky as a Christ figure, which doesn't work really neatly because like, then when's his, like, is his resurrection, like when he leaves the underworld and then like comes up as a fire. I don't know, but I, I thought that was, that was an interesting thing to start your movie with. The second one, I felt like they were very much like, we are Catholic. Cause the first one, I feel like they don't really talk about that, but the second one, that's like a thing. And so I'm like, oh, maybe they felt like they didn't get it across enough in the first one. <laughs> so they were like, no, we've got a nail at home. Everyone here is Italian and Catholic. Um, but 
I'm wondering now that you're saying this, cause you're right. We open on like, it's a shot of Jesus and they scroll down and they're fighting. And so I almost wonder if it's supposed to be like a juxtaposition too, of like, here is this imagery. Ha ha ha. We're going to watch the opposite of that. <laughs> Let's watch a scrappy, crappy fight. Damn, crack. I also love how it starts with like the trumpets and it's like Rocky and then it's silence. And then we get the Jesus thing and you're like, what, what's going on? In fact, aren't there like two titles with Rocky on them? I don't the beginning? remember. I think there's two. There might be. No, it just it just runs across the screen. The screen, right? It goes da 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 da. That's a badass opening. Doesn't get enough credit. I do. I want to point this out. So we start with our heavy trumpets. I we don't get trumpets again with our Rocky theme until he is legit. I was. They were holding back on the trumpets. They were like, we gave you a little trumpet in the beginning. We're gonna hold back until we're ready, and then finally, in the final montage, we get the full trumpets again. Just wanted to point that out. Oh, focus on women's looks is a bummer, but it's normalized back then. Just the fact that like the society would only see Adrienne if she was pretty, even though she's smart and lovely and wonderful. So just, you know, naming that because, you know, that's a thing. And then um, I do want to say the like a positive aspect, but I actually do like the way that race is handled within this story. Um, I actually think it could have been awful. And I think it's handled pretty, pretty decently, especially for 1976. Um, yeah, that, those are my modern lenses. Do you guys have anything? I'm just going to chime in and say like, yeah, race was handled so beautifully in this. And I, I just stumbled upon a trivia fact in my notes that I do want to bring in. Cause I always look at it. So Sylvester Stallone has something wrong with one side of his face where it's like paralyzed. So one side of his face doesn't move and the other side does. And you can see it when he makes a really big expression. So he tries to keep his face neutral a lot. But during the really big expressions, you can always tell. So when he's going like, yo, Adrian, at the end, you can literally see one side of his face being frozen and one side that can move. And I just think it's fascinating. I didn't know that. So it's just like, once you notice it, you're like, oh, I see it. I think he was very handsome in this film. I think he's handsome in this film, Rocky 3 and Rocky 4. I'm going to go with all those. You know, he's he's a handsome man in them. I agree. I get why he took his shirt off for the one part. Because I was like, yes, I guess if my arms looked like that, I would also be like, hey, did you catch these bad boys? You see this? Movies are meant to take us into a different place, right? And movies are often, like, not authentic by design. They're fantasies or they're um, instruments of escape for us. And I feel like Rocky uh, has this, even though it is, that in a in in a period and it is clearly like an old movie now um is timeless for the things that it tells us and i think the authenticity is great so when you talk about modern lens like i yeah like nothing about rocky would uh, like stand the test of time in terms of like everything from the way that athletes are conditioned to the way that like they speak to each other to brotherly sister relations the race relations but i think that it is a really great a snapshot of a moment in time. And I think the bicentennial has a lot to do with that. Yes. Um, I, I think the, the, the setting of, of the story and the birthplace of, of uh, our country and, and democracy in this country is uh, a, a, just is a specter across all of it. There's a few perfect movies and I'm not saying Rocky's perfect, but, but it, this it's, I don't know how you would improve upon Rocky. It's, yeah. it's, it's a amazing. great movie well-made and I hadn't put together what you had just said how not only is it a bicentennial which we know was a huge deal like I think now we're removed from what a big deal it was but that was a big deal in 1976 but also you added the layer of Philadelphia I had not connected that we're like it, it was extra important there 
I don't know. It feels very slice of life, but specific to a moment in time. And I do want to shout out before we go to the double feature, the costume designer. I wanted to shout this out earlier. I love how much we learn about the characters through their clothes. Um, Rocky in the beginning, the way he is dressed with like his black fedora that's tipped, his black leather lapel, and how he's always got that ball in his hand, always throwing the ball. I don't know. I feel like you get so much, his like high heel, his, his shoes. You just know him from that look. And the, how he softens throughout the film. So it's like in the beginning, he's trying to look like this cool, tough guy, but he wears more sweaters when he's around Adrian. His look softens. And then Adrian herself, obviously we have like the glasses and the hat and the jacket and she slowly blossoms and starts wearing clothes that are like flashier and more trendy. Um, and even I do love that even in the end, Rocky's just always noticing the details about her all the time. Like he's always like, oh, yo, yo Adrian, I like this. Or what, I like what you're wearing or look at this or look at that. And so when she does lose her red hat and the first thing after he wins the biggest fight is where's your hat? I just love that moment. Because to me, it speaks to just like what he really cares about. He cares about her. She, He loves to notice her. Um, so anyway, I, I just loved all those, all the details. And she was wearing red and white at the end to match him. Um, but there were, yeah, there were a lot of like great costume, costume details and the working class stuff. And all of Rocky's exercise clothes, I wanted to borrow. I was like, I would wear that. You look adorable. I would wear all of that. I would not drink five raw eggs. That's gross. I, every time I'm in a, a a butcher shop, which is like once every like ten years, um, I'll I'll find the big hanging thing of meat and I'll just I'll try to do that, but um, it never really lands. Well, it's because fighting isn't your life, Andre. Everywhere you walk, you aren't also fight dancing every five seconds. So if that was part of your life, then maybe you would. Okay, one thing. Um, I think it's really fun that well, you guys brought this up about um how it's set during the bicentennial. I think it's really cool because um, in the movie, it's Creed who's who keeps uh, framing the fight in terms of like, this is going to be during the bicentennial. We're going to tell this American story when really it's Stallone who's framing the entire story against the bicentennial. I'm going to move us into the double feature portion of this show. If you liked this film, I don't know what you should check out. Maybe all of the other Rockies. We literally named all of them. You know, there's so many. Um, according to us, it sounds like Creed, uh, Rocky three and Rocky four are the hits. So catch the hits. You won't miss anything by skipping Rocky two. Cause you won't, you're smart. You'll figure it out. Um, okay. So I'd say that I'd say somebody up there likes me, the Paul Newman film, um, about Rocky Graziano, the boxer. Um, I would feel like that would be a good double feature raging bull. Um, the fighter, the David O. Russell film, not that I condone, but the Fighters, good film. Um, I haven't seen Cinderella Man, but it's directed by Penny Marshall, and I like supporting female directors, so maybe check that one out. And obviously, even though boxing and karate are different, they do have the same director. So the Karate Kid, the other underdog story, a young boy defying expectations with karate. Those would be my double features. Do you guys have any? Well, uh, speaking of love films that are also sports films or sports mm -hmm. films that are also love stories, I'm going to go with my favorite movie of all time, Bull Durham. Andre, do you have any? Uh, I'm going to go sappy underdog story. And I hate this university with a passion with every bone in my body. But um, but Rudy is a great underdog movie. And I like, I think if you watch Rocky, you could pair it nicely with Rudy. Um, also, Miracle is another good underdog movie that I think doesn't get enough credit. It's a uh, I mean, obviously, it's a great story. I'm a sucker for Kurt Russell, but uh, those two movies aren't as good as 
Rocky, but if you're doing an underdog, like I'm thinking about an underdog double feature, those two pair nicely. Also, Steph, when you were talking about your favorite film for one second, I was like, is she going to say love and basketball? And then I was like, oh, that would be fun to watch with this too, because that's also a love story. But with basketball as the backdrop, it is an awesome female character. So love and basketball, maybe too. That's a good angle about love stories. What love stories would you pair with? I'm going to go, uh, if we're looking at love stories and underdog love stories, then The Shape of Water, uh, which is another great story about how like love isn't just for beautiful people, it's for everyone. What about you guys? Oh, I mean, I name, I think love and basketball is, I don't, I can't think of, oh, just right. Starring Queen Latifah. Obviously I love that movie. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to zig while you guys zag and I'm going to say, say anything is probably my next underdog love story that like kind of feels like it's a little bit like Rocky because John Cusack is truly given zero thought, uh, to, to be with her, but he ends up winning her over and he truly loves her and she has a figure in her life that is uh, holding her back because he's afraid of losing her. So it's very similar to Polly. Um, but also the end of the movie is also really great too. And also low key. So I would pair Rocky with Say Anything. How can people find you on social media or is there anything you would like to share on the podcast? Follow uh, at FCA Agency on Twitter if it's still around when you hear this podcast or uh, on Instagram at FC plus a, we're a cool marketing agency that does fun stuff. I mentor with young storytellers, check them out and give them money. That's where I learned about screenwriting and uh, screenplay structure, antagonist and protagonist. Check out young storytellers. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you both so much for being here. It was lovely chatting with you about this film and uh, we will see you all next time on talk classic to me. You have been listening to talk classic to me with Sarah Greenfield. That's me. My guests this week were Stephanie Anderson and Andre Fonseca. They will be featured on our Instagram page. If you enjoyed our show, please introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe and maybe even find us on Anchor.fm to become a contributing member. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Talk Classic to Me for some awesome content and to find out what's coming up next. Thanks for listening.